Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, here today with Charlotte Palmieri, and this will be a familiar name to the readers of our paper, because our columnist, Frank Palmieri, often refers to my lovely wife, (laughs) and that's Charlotte. I'm so glad you made it. Um... The reason Charlotte is here today is she sent in a notice about a group that she founded four years ago. It's called In His Presence. And I can tell our listeners I have been a recipient of this group's largesse. When I was dealing with cancer myself, out of the blue, in the mail, on a day that I was not feeling particularly good, I got a card, and inside were these heartfelt messages from women I didn't even know, telling me things that were very encouraging, and it was just like a gift landing on me, (laughs) wrapping around me, feeling hugged, so I'm so eager to hear how Charlotte came up with this idea. Tell us, what made you found this group? First off, Melissa, you're bringing tears to my eyes. (laughs) Because I oftentimes hear from the recipient of cards the manner in which they receive them and respond to them and then gravitate back to them at a later time. Um, But having been diagnosed with breast cancer myself in 2013 and going through the whole rigmarole, of some treatment and your life gets turned quite a bit upside down and that in combination with my Christian beliefs um, I really had this longing in my heart to start something uh, but I didn't know what I it's just I worked with a prayer partner for 11 months and I just couldn't figure out what to do I'd been to other women's kinds of groups, Bible studies, various things that I know helped to grow me. Um, And I couldn't find anything that was targeted towards cancer. And that was what I was being drawn to, women and cancer. And I was reading in my Bible, Ecclesiastes 11.4, for anybody who wants to sort of check it out. And, well, actually, that's... That's the scripture that sort of caught my attention because I had been planning, do I do this at night? Do I do it in the morning? And I had a list of people to invite according to whatever finally was going to be decided. And basically the scripture had to do with back those days, biblical days, agriculture was a big thing. And the point was being made that if the farmer was looking for the perfect day to do his sowing and or his harvesting, it wasn't going to take place. And that, to me, was my little boot in the tail end. And that's how God happens to speak to me, personally, to get going with us, regardless, even though I had no idea what I was doing. So I ended up um, choosing a time at the church where I'm the organist choir director, Hamilton Union Presbyterian on Western Avenue. Um, I checked in as to the availability of some space because they were going to accommodate me. And uh, I decided on Thursday mornings because it was available then, and I knew I had to be there Thursday night for my choir rehearsal, and I would give Thursday afternoon piano lessons typically. So I thought, I'm in town. 
I'm going to go for this. And so we got started September of 2015 without me entirely knowing what direction it was headed. But my uh, object was to offer something to ladies who'd had a cancer diagnosis, regardless of what kind, in the hopes that we would grow in our Christian faith. Everybody's at a different place with it. And uh, that was my target. And so this was 2015, four years ago. Yes. And the group, has it um, grown? Has it changed? Did the women that needed at a certain time then sort of get their bearings and move along, or do they come back? Or Tell, tell us about the, the women that are involved in this. That is a really good question, Melissa. Um, different people, their lives change. I had one lady who started off in the initial group who was driving school bus in Scotia. She'd have a morning run, she'd have an afternoon run, but after the morning run, she'd show up. But then she ended up getting a middle day run, so she's not there, for instance. We've personally, over this time, had five members who we have lost, and um, we feel their absence very, very much. Um, so lost but, in the sense that they died. Yes, oh, gosh. they passed on. Mm-hmm. And that has had a huge impact. In fact, for those who were going through a lot, I've heard it described, this group, by ladies in different ways. Some people call it a Bible study. Some call it a prayer group. Some call it a support group. It's whatever, however it speaks to them. And so I'm not really sure even yet what it is. We're still, <laughs> it's seriously, obviously it's a support group uh, because if they have concerns, those are addressed there. They know they're in a safe place where people get it because, you know, we've been there. Um, they've had terribly supportive, loving families, and yet there's certain things that are difficult to discuss. Um, members have chosen saying, you know, I've had enough of you know, treatment, I want to live my life. And um, so making that kind of decision. Uh, We have a lot of variety of ladies from a lot of different walks of life. They're all very different. But yes, for the most part, once they start coming, if their lives allow that, they continue to come. But it's the way I've set it up is I don't want anybody to ever feel obligated. If this works for them, that's good. If they can't get there on time, that's no problem. If they have to leave early, that's no problem. If they only can come, you know, twice, three, four times a year, in my mind, that's a-okay. It's if it works and does something for them. So um, the notice that got me to call you up was you're changing your venues. You had been at Hamilton Union since its founding because it's your home base. And now you're moving to Linwood Reform because it's more accessible to people that might be in wheelchairs or it doesn't have the stairs. So just how often do you meet and what does a typical meeting, what kinds of things might happen at that meeting? Well, we've been meeting weekly on Thursday mornings, 9.30 to 11.30 is our target time. Um, Being the music director over at Hamilton Union has been just awesome. It's just that we've had to go upstairs, and we've had people that have found that to be a challenge for various reasons. Um, What has been a real benefit is that I have a music office there and our supplies we'd throw into the music office, and I just have taken them out. And I've got to figure out how to 
deal with all of them. Um, we've collected a lot over time, but at Linwood, we can go straight in, straight out. Good old Frank, he helped me out on Saturday despite feeling sick, and I had bought a cabinet, and we assembled the cabinet over there and got it set up to stuff some of our belongings into that will make it very workable for us. We had our first meeting there on Thursday. The ladies are enthused. Um, they've been very gracious to us at both places. Uh, we've been very, very blessed. But again, it's not that it's been Hamilton Union before or that it's Linwood, although I think they want to take us underneath their wings, so to speak. Eventually, there might be something up on their web page, I guess. I, I have so much to learn. <laughs> so these supplies, are they like, what kind of supplies do you use in these meetings? All right. Typically, I have everybody sign in. I get attendance. I'm rather crazy. I use spreadsheets at home, and I do track all the attendances. I can see when somebody was last there, when they first well, came. I so know forth. from Frank's columns, you're an organized person. <laughs> y- you would like to think so. I, I am sorely lacking as far as how organized I'd like to be, and I drive myself bananas. But um, they sign in. We have a journal where they can put in prayer requests and or joys. And it's nice because the prayer requests, we can look back over time and see how prayers have been answered. Um, So they bring things to the table with that. Cards is what has become a big part of our group. I never was big on cards. I, I, I believe in recycling big time, and I don't like to waste, and I don't need a lot in life. But uh, while I was not doing so good, a number of cards came to me, and I found them to be just, they spoke to me. Tell me about that, because I had that same experience, yes. but just describe why. You just know that somebody is there with their thoughts, their prayers, and it, it was just you don't throw them out. At least that's how I've been. You hang on to them. And uh, they were very, very dear. And so other ladies were more into cards than myself even, but I agreed with them. We would start sending cards. I feel like we have a little sunshine club. Mm-hmm. Um, but I track the cards that we send. I can see when I last sent a card to somebody, where it went to, what the reason was. I had to tell the ladies we're only doing this for people it pertains to cancer, just because I got to keep it sort of condensed. And we've had, oh, there's a couple years they talked me into doing Christmas cards that sent me bananas, I think, because there were so many people. I says, we can't do Christmas cards. It's way too much. But other than Christmas cards, we've sent out about 700 cards. Oh, my goodness. So how so. do you find out someone has cancer? How, how do you... What? You just bump into them. Yeah, it's kind of everywhere, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. it's interesting how, uh, well, in fact, we were talking about it at the meeting the other day. One of the ladies, you know, people want to know, well, how did you come to find in his presence? And by the way, in his presence, I didn't know what to name. I'm not good. Like if you gave me a dog and said name him, I'd have a hard time. Frank would come up with all sorts of <laughs> names. But, uh, but in his presence was something that was put into my mind, and it's turned out to be really the very right thing to do. There's been confirmation of that a number of times. But one of the ladies, I like it because we had been to a luncheon and a meeting elsewhere that pertains to cancer, and uh, one of our original members of the group, uh, we were riding down on an elevator, and it turned out she'd been a neighbor with this person that was on the elevator. So we drug her in from the elevator, you know. Um, uh, again, various other events, I'll bump into people, and, you know, invite them. Um, 
But that you've reached our- 700 people. And I know when I talked to you, because I was asking you about the aspects of religion, and you said, oh, you know, we send to Hindus, we send to... <laughs> it isn't well, about necessarily having the same God. What What is it about? Well, while I make no bones about it where my faith is and what my beliefs are, um, I found in bumping into others, it didn't matter if they had no faith, they were not going to refuse anybody's prayers. Um, there's different ways people put it in terms of, you know, my thoughts are with you and sending good vibes, what have you. We're doing some serious praying about this, you know. Um, and everything, of course, is in God's hands. And I knew that from the get-go when I was diagnosed. I happen to know I've been a member of the Christian Motorcyclist Association for a number of years, although I'm not active at this point because this thing sort of keeps me busy. Uh, but I remember going to a meeting early after diagnosis, and they have time for prayer. And I thought, hey, I know I have a God. If he wants to wipe this stuff out of me and make those doctors scratch their heads, where'd that cancer go? I knew he could do that. However, it's a matter of even though we have less than desirable maybe circumstances in life, it's how God uses them. And um, I used to stay up late at night, particularly at the beginning, the inception of this group, to prepare like a devotional kind of thing. I'd be up till one or two in the morning. And I landed on something that we we focused on for some time, and I'm probably going to pull back in again. A fellow in ministry by the name of John Piper had gone in for some prostate uh, cancer surgery. And after the fact, wrote something, I think it's in about 10 steps, called Don't Waste Your Cancer. You can find this online, too. Um, And I just found it, it, it's like what you can do, even though you've got something going on that is keeping you from your usual. You know, you can move forward. Um, We did become a nonprofit a couple years ago after we lost one of our members, Um, She was an incredible lady. She made a great impact on the ladies of the group. She had been on the board of the City Mission of Schenectady and so forth. But um, as her life was drawing to a close, it was her. I know I'm getting off target, Melissa. Forgive me because I forgot why I was talking to you about her. No, this is really Um, good. Well, she asked rather than flowers for her funeral that donations be made to us. So we became a nonprofit, although we're not one of those big time ones, you know, the 501c3 everybody talks about. We're little, but enough that New York State is able to get some paperwork from us on occasion. We're still waiting for our tax exempt paper for when I purchase supplies. Fortunately, I don't have to pay tax on all the stamps, but a lot of the other supplies and there's a lot of other things we do besides all of that. Um, in fact, I'm going to go back, if I may, to the name in his presence because I was a vendor at one of the cancer events um, back about a year and a half ago, I think, when there was another vendor who is an author. And she has a blog, and it was called In His Presence. And so we formed a friendship, and at the time I had been, it had been on my heart to have uh, an event that would draw in more than just 
the cancer ladies, because there's a lot of people dealing with stuff. And it was to focus on grief and loss, because there's all aspects of that. It doesn't just mean we lost an individual. It's we lost life as we knew it. We lost our free time. There was financial impacts, all sorts of things. And uh, we did have a dinner last May to invite the public in. Um, and we provide I didn't want anybody to not be able to go. So we funded it. And uh, this lady was the speaker. And uh, and what did she say? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, I think I was having to pay the caterers about that time when I missed some oh. of it. But uh, she did focus on something that comes to my mind, and I do know the story behind it. Um, why can't I think of it right now? They call it chemo brain, I think. But there is a hymn that offers some real solace. But the story behind the hymn was a fellow who was in ministry and his wife and daughters were being transported across across the Atlantic. Long story short, um, serious mishap took place and he lost his his daughters there. I I can't remember the story in full, but that's like after the fact when he what if uh, I want to say what a friend we have in Jesus, but I think that's the wrong one. And I'm not thinking clearly right now, but it's like the hope that is offered despite loss. And it's and like so he wrote a hymn that embodied this. Yes, um, the words, the lyrics. So what I'm wondering too about your own cancer journey. I know your husband wrote about it in several different columns. One that was most moving was um, a graduation column. At the same time you were battling cancer, you were finishing a degree in music. Just if you could kind of, if it's not too painful, walk us through your own personal way of dealing with this disease. Well, it's interesting because so many other things get put on hold in life. And I just got my diagnosis after I had just signed up for my last semester to serve, and I didn't really care so much about the degree but sometimes it's good to follow through with things and call them done and um, I did speak with the president of this is the Schenectady County Community College it's a, a two-year musical performance degree is what it was I had been going in hopes of just bolstering a little bit more knowledge to hopefully do some composition is what I was thinking um, but I said to him I don't know if I can pull this off you know having surgery and who knows what all he says no 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 do it right and uh, there were accommodations that were made for me particularly when I was going through chemo I didn't go into all of the classes I had some online classes too so that was helpful and some of the lessons and so forth we made up after the fact but I think the thing was is it was surreal to know what I was contending with and yet to have a, a gown and a cap on along with my wig. I didn't want to scare anybody. Um, <laughs> but it, it was like, it, it, it was hard to imagine that that's really where I was because there it had been a long road with hospitalizations. Um, one of the things I don't talk about too often, and I hate saying too many of the detrimental kinds of things that one might encounter. I'm sort of a special case. It's like, if one or two or three or four percent is going to have something, it usually is me. And 
I think the thing that threw me off more was that when I went to get my port in for the chemo, um, they say it's because I'm tall and slender. I don't know if I believe that or not, but my lung got punctured, and I ended up with a collapsed lung, and that's why I had to have extra time in the hospital. So I was feeling like I've got these assignments that need to be done. So it's trying to operate off of a hospital bed, you know, and trying to do that. And you just attack it the best you can. You're not thinking clearly, but you do what you got to do. Wow. Well, another recent column your husband wrote, and I briefly mentioned it to you, it was about a woman who was a dear friend of both Mm -hmm. of yours and had very little in life. And when your husband, she had never been on a computer, asked what she wanted to learn about, she said clouds. (laughs) I just love this column. But you, when I was talking to you, said that um, she too had cancer and that Soon after your own cancer, you you had this need to help somebody. And tell us just a little about that, that feeling in you and, and what you did there. Well, what's fabulous is if you can take a bad experience in your life and use it for good. And I know that I had some people reaching out to me who really cared when, you know, I got hit with this. And I just thought, oh, I wonder how long it will be before I'll be in a position to be of assistance to somebody else. And it took no time at all. But this particular individual, um, and it's funny because I would have this sense inside me that I would know what somebody was going to say to me before they would say it. Because she was not the only one who would call me and says, you'll never believe this. Mm -hmm. I go, and I know exactly what you're going to tell me. And so, yes, she ended up with breast cancer. And, of course, the thing is, as well, breast cancer is so popular. It's out here and there and everywhere. There's different kinds of it. And they can be very unique to the individual and the treatment plan can be very different. And, uh, she could find it to be helpful, uh, for me to try to discern what doctors were saying and what it meant because she didn't have full understanding of that. In retrospect, I think in her case, I think chemo really had to have been the right thing, but because they did surgery and got what they call clean margins, she wanted to go on what the doctor says, you said clean margins, and then she went through some radiation. But I believe the thing is, is that chemo likely would have preserved her life at least um, longer than the treatment that she did have. But she was a personal friend, and I can't tell you how glad I was to think that I could be there for her support. Um, Things went south after time. I did visit with her, with her doctor, and things were really too late to do too much then. We had talked about hospice for some time, and that is another joy. One of the good things that came out of my um, cancer, it slowed me down to the point where I had time. I actually, uh, well, it's a long story. I know this has got a timetable on it. But the tell, way, the, tell the story. Tell the story. Yes. Okay. Well, as an organist, I went to an organist event. Somebody was there visiting from Cleveland. Evidently, she lived there as an organist, but had come here to die. And she was with her hospice volunteer. Her, her daughter lived in this area. And um, as I was leaving, her hospice helper says, didn't I see you on TV? 
And I was a little embarrassed because I like to be sort of behind the scenes. Uh, but what had happened is going back to the president of the community college, he'd asked a newspaper to come in and, or what was it, Time Warner News, I think, to do an interview with me. So I was on the news. And um, so anyway, we made friends, and I offered my organ. I've been so blessed. I've got a beautiful organ at home. And I offered this lady that she could play my organ. Because when you're a musician, you know, and then things got turned upside down for her, it's like, you want to come play my organ? So she did. Um, but after the fact, after she passed, and I love the way she talked about it, because she talked about her death date. And, you know, how you go past your death date it makes you feel pretty good, you know, that you, you, you've defied them, so to speak. But after that, her worker said to me, you know, the Hospice Inn down at St. Peter's, every Friday at noon, they serve a meal to the families of those that are in the hospital there. And in the room where they serve those meals, there's a piano. She says, I've only heard it played once or twice. She says, you ought to go play it. Because when she says, I think you should be a volunteer, I'm going, what is it you have in mind? Because I always was intrigued. It's just I didn't have time. So I had a hard time deciding what the right music is to play for everybody in that kind of situation. And the thing is, is while my thing is Christian music, that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking, well, I know not everybody is that. Um, But I was really torn what to do. And in the long run, Melissa... I made I made the decision. I was playing the Christian music because I thought they don't know the words if they're not Christians. What do they care? It's pretty <laughs> it's music, beautiful music. Yeah. yeah. So what what are they going to care? So so that's what I did. It went well. I've been in there a number of. T- although I tell you, the first time I went in, I was dragging my heels. I, it's a long walk in, and when you've been in treatment and you're not very well, you feel like you're going on a really long hike. It was tough, um, but that's how I got involved. And then there was. Um, some training going on. I had time for training. So I did that and I got involved. But anyway, going back to the hospice, I was there with this friend at the hospice inn when she breathed her last breath. And having had the, the training through hospice to recognize what was happening, I was able to guide her significant other um, to understand And I could tell what was, even though she wasn't with us to be able to respond, I knew what was going on. She could hear every word we said. I know that because of the way she responded to the things that we would say. And I think she was getting a big kick out of us talking about the times in the past, the things that she'd done uh, before I ever knew her and so forth. Um, I just am so blessed that I did that. And then for the lady from our group, she was in hospice care, too, in the family when I think they were feeling like she'd had enough of them. Um, I could go in and be there for her. So I've been blessed in so many ways. Well, what an interesting way to look at it. Most yeah. people would say you had blessed others, but I guess. Well, you know, it's interesting because I went to this Advent service last night. The choirs were singing here in Gilderland and... Uh, I ran into a former piano student of mine. <laughs> There's a lot of them around. And um, she's had some problems with anxiety. And she was explaining to me that she was feeling so good because she'd had a period of time w- without an attack. And 
she let me know she's doing some volunteering. And I said, well, that's what this is all about. I said, because when you give, you get so much back. You do. And, and the thing is, is when you give and you know you're giving to somebody, what was great about our friend is she had nothing to give in return, although she would, in her own way, give whatever she had, and she had so little. But it's like you have no expectation of anybody giving anything back to you. It's just you doing it, and it feels great. Feels great. Good for you. I would yeah. love it, too, if you could just talk a little about music in your life, not necessarily with cancer, mm-hmm. but just the idea of, you know, here are people watching those that they love die, and they're gathering for lunch, and they hear this music. I mean, what what does it do for you playing it, and what does well, it do for people? I've been doing, I, I started piano lessons when I was in kindergarten and got pretty involved from the beginning, and it's a long story how I ended up as an organist then, too. But um, Oh, come on, let's hear just a short version of it. Well, I don't know if I can do, <laughs> uh, all right, this is the thing. My father bought a, a Rambler. I'm trying to remember what it was called right now. It's skipping my mind. The car, the kind yeah, of car. But yeah, but a specific kind. I can't remember the name yeah. of it. But he didn't consult my mother, and she was rather ticked off. So she went out and bought an equal amount of stuff, and there was this really horrible living room furniture that she got. It was really awful, and an organ. And, <laughs> and the organ came with a box of music, this was a Hammond organ where they do those little draw bars. Who knows? They're brown, they're white, they're black. Who knows? Numbers up to eight, right? And um, it, this box of music told you how to set all the little draw bars so you sounded decent. Because I could play music. It's just the sounds. That's the thing about why organs take more work, because you got to register them and get the right balances. And so I fooled around with that. And then I had a cousin who was getting married, And here she was asking the other cousins to be bridesmaids. She asked me to be the organist. I was offended, you know. (laughs) She thought I was an organist, I guess. So my parents were singing in a choir. They asked the director of that choir, what do you play for a wedding? She says you should have her have some lessons. So then I got sent out on the substitute circuit. So while my friends were working at McDonald's on the weekends, I was off at church, you know, playing and directing choirs. It's so Many, many years since. I, it's been 50 years. So back to the original question. What, <laughs> what does music... <laughs> yeah, no. What I took you off the course. What does music do for you and the people that listen to it? I, well, I get a lot of feedback from people. And of course, in the church setting, I, music has its own language. Over the years, um, I've played in hospital settings, nursing home settings, and people who might appear appear to one to almost be, say, comatose, it's like they come alive. When they hear the music, all of a sudden feet are tapping and they're moving and so forth. It just does wonderful things. In fact, I am realizing that I need to do a little bit of homework because I had a a lady speak to me recently about she does monthly um, meetings, luncheons with speakers, and one of the things she does want to target on is musical therapy in the cancer sort of world. So that's some of my homework coming up to look into that. But um, 
We even had, I didn't even mention, you know, the group, we've done a couple of retreats even. Oh, I looked up one um, that you had up at um, Camp Pinnacle. Actually, yeah. the first one was in 2016. The second one was in 2018. I didn't have the energy to do it in 2017. I had this big dinner in 2019. But um, the original group, I'd said to them, oh, have you ever been on a woman's retreat? And they says, no. And I says, oh, you poor things, we got to have one. And so that's how that one was birthed. Um, the first one was great. I Again, the, you know, there's a lot of cancer support here and there and everywhere. We're, we're very fortunate in this area. There's a lot afforded to us. And that's one of the other things in the group. I try to direct people to resources that may be helpful and beneficial to them. Um, but I felt really like, but I'm different because we're Christian. And it's interesting. If you want to go on the American Cancer Society website, you can actually find us there. Uh, we're listed under support if you put in your zip code, we should come up on there and it should have my contact information and so forth. But uh, I was thinking, what do I do for something special? We had crafts and we had speakers. We had a little bit of music, not so much so at the first retreat, but the second retreat, the ladies let me know they wanted that. But I had a Christian magician at the first one. And so I'm thinking... Wait, what makes a magician Christian? What, like, how does that... Well, it's just you're a magician, but you happen to be Christian, and therefore it, it can be incorporated into what it is that you do. So there's a message about Christianity oh, yeah. in the magic tricks. Yes, eat it up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we got to get you with a program, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff out there. Believe it or not, Christians can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and actually, I hesitate even when I say that. Please take that back. I remember one day being at an Indian restaurant, and as we were leaving, um, I I could overhear another table next to us, and I I can't help myself. I say something, and I says, oh, I says, you're Christian. She says, I prefer to call myself a Christ follower. And I thought, you know what? I think that's more on target for what I would think in my mind, too. Explain for me the difference. Well, the thing is, is... um, did you grow up and your parents might have taken you maybe to church and it was a, a, a Christian church and therefore whether or not you ever did anything with that, you might call yourself Christian. But actually, in my mind, and the way the Bible would state it too, is it's a relationship. It, it is something that and we are given. It's it, It's by grace that we're given this salvation. In fact, what comes to mind is... Uh, back some time ago, I was a music teacher down at St. Madeline Sophie, and they wanted to have uh, a couple of pageants or plays or whatever. And um, I remember the one I did at Christmas time was called Something's Up Down in Bethlehem. But there was another pageant I did at another church, I think it was. It was called Free Gift. And it was like during this hustle bustle time of Christmas. And, you know, they're going through the stores, all these people, and then there's these big boxes with bows on them. And it's like, here, take this. This is free. But this gift of salvation, people seem to be hesitant to go for. And I guess maybe some people might think, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to change my lifestyle. I don't know if I've been too bad and, you know, I can't be forgiven and all that. And it's nothing like that. But it's what gets put in your heart when you actually have that relationship. That's what drives you to do other things. And that's, I I can't say I hear a voice. I can't say that. But I get this thing in me that tells me to do something. And I've had this be so real to me. 
so many times in my life that, I mean, you know, people talk about, well, how can you have faith? Well, if you have faith, you can have your faith grow, and it grows when you have these experiences. Um, it, it's a very real thing. I don't know. I keep going on and on, No, Melissa. this is lovely, and our time has run out, but yeah. if you have any closing thoughts, I'd love to hear. Well, this is the thing. Um, I would extend to any lady who's had that cancer diagnosis, if you want to come and join us on Thursday mornings, 9.30 to 11.30 at the Linwood Reform Church on Carmen Road, we'd love to have you. And can you just show up? Or You can show up, although if you want to connect with me ahead of time, you know, you can fill me in anything you want. We do have a closed Facebook page, too, so I have people elsewhere in the country, people who wouldn't be coming, people that can't come to the meetings, but they like to connect, and they can post on there, ask questions or what have you. We didn't have it closed to begin with, but there was some guy over in Africa wanting to join, and I had to let him know that as much as we love you, I think we're going to need to keep this private. So we we made it closed. Well, thank so. you, Charlotte, to make anything closed by such an open woman. <laughs> Oh, Frank was really mad at me when I started this. He's gone, why can't you have men? In fact, I had a friend of mine, you know, a fellow say to me, well, you know, I had prostate cancer. And I said, but you're a man. You can't come. And and the thing is, is the freedom that it gives to the ladies to speak. Uh, Because we're talking a lot of body parts and everything here, you know. Very personal. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Charlotte. Oh, I've enjoyed it, Melissa. Thank you so much.